that's the kind of friend I am. Alright, let's go to our energy healing playlist so that we can chill and relax while I read. Let me turn this down some. Are here for we're not here to stay stuck in the same old patterns year after year year we are elevate baby <laughs> all right let's get let's get it popping this is the human madness syndrome why do we why we love people who hurt us so friday we left off on sandra and i forget her husband's name but sandra is a number a negative five codependent <clears throat> i forget what his name was but we'll get it Sandra is a classic negative five codependent as she puts everyone else's needs in front of her own. She cares tirelessly for her child, husband, friends, and people at the church while receiving little or nothing in return. She has never left her self-centered, emotionally abusive, and philandering husband out of fear of being alone and unable to pay the bills. Her obesity unrealistically reinforces her belief that no one could ever love her and generates feelings of powerlessness. To change the nature of her one-sided relationships, although Sandra fantasizes about standing up to the narcissistic and intimidating people in her life, she ultimately chooses to ca ca capitulate. She, she ultimately choose chooses to capitulate to them. Sandra self-medicates her feelings of worthlessness through her eating binges. Oh, his name is Paul. Since marrying Paul, Sandra's weight has increased by 100 pounds. Even with her doctor's warnings, Sandra seems powerless to change her emotional eating patterns. Paul is a typical plus five narcissist. More specifically, Paul would fit the diagnostic criteria for narcissistic personality disorder. Paul's approach to life is almost completely focused around his own personal and emotional needs at the exclusion and expense of the needs of others especially his wife and child. He and Sandra are perfectly, if miserably, compatible as their, their combined CSV create a zero-sum relationship. Together, their self-orientations are inversely compatible. This perfectly matched opposite relationship will likely remain stable as Sandra's poor self-esteem and deep feelings of insecurity create feelings of powerlessness about changing the circumstances in her life, such as divorcing Paul. Yeah, it will until she starts loving herself. Once she starts loving herself and know that she deserves better, even if that means being alone, then she'll be willing to do that. I did, you know, because I, I wasn't obese, but I had the same fears, you know. Um, I, I, was, I was staying because of the financial reasons. You know, even though I was miserable in that relationship, miserable in my life, I stayed because of fear. I was afraid that I wouldn't be able to survive on my own. Very codependent. But once I started healing and loving myself and I got sick and tired of being sick and tired, that's when I started to create boundaries. That's when I walked away from shit. That's when I started going no contact. In addition, Sandra is in a distorted manner, maintains the belief that she still loves Paul. Paul wouldn't dream of leaving Sandra as he has the perfect wife who will do any, everything for him as well as not hold him accountable for his numerous selfish and narcissistic shortcomings. 
Paul does not want to divorce Sandra as he similarly has a distorted feeling of love and commitment to Sandra. He also wouldn't want to leave her as he relies on Sandra to take care of Tyler and the house, pays the bills, and maintains their social group. This marriage is considered stable as Paul and Sandra are both locked into their relationship and neither is motivated nor psychologically capable of leaving the other. Two years after Sandra started therapy with me, she lost 75 pounds, divorced Paul, quit her church job, got hired by an employer who empowers her and rewards her contributions, severed the relationships with her narcissistic friends and created healthier, more mutually satisfying relationships with the rest of her friends and family. See? You start therapy, start healing, you start looking out for yourself, you start loving yourself, the shit will change. <laughs> you have to change it. That's what happens, you know? Sandra also turned a corner with her son. As she became more confident, consistent, and less fearful in her parenting approach, as a result of her strides in, psycho in psychotherapy, Sandra's CSV changed from a negative 5 to a negative 2, placing her on the healthy side of the continuum of self. Sandra is now dating Bill, a wonderful man whose who CSV is a plus 2. Together, these two are happy and mutually and reciprocally loving, respectful, and caring. Maslow's Hammer and Nail Theory as much as I attempt to define and quantify human relationship behavior through the use of the continuum of self theory, it is neither feasible nor appropriate to rely on just one theory to explain complicated human behavior patterns. There are inherent dangers to having a limited view on human psychology. According to Abraham Maslow, one of the founders of humanistic psychological theory, I suppose it is tempting if the only tool you have is a hammer to treat everything as if it were a nail. Let this hammer be one of many tools in a toolbox that we can use to understand and change our dysfunctional relationship. The same thing is true about the Bible. The Bible is just another hammer, you know, but we have to open our minds to the different possibilities and the different things, the different tools that are out here to help us to overcome these dysfunctional relationships because they're available to us. But we have to open up our minds. If we continue to have a closed mind and think that there's only one way, then we'll never grow. We'll never heal. We'll never love ourselves properly so that we can love other people. It should be noted that the continuum of self measures only a person's orientation of self. It does not pur purport to measure more complicated and multifaceted personality characteristics. The best determination of one's self-orientation comes from the assessment and diagnostic process by a competent and qualified psychotherapist trained in the continuum of self theory. Because the compatible but opposite self-orientation personality types are just one of many possible personality type categories, it is presumed that other personality traits or constructs may have their own unique attraction process. To illustrate mentally ill, economically disadvantaged, politically disenfranchised, physically challenged, and other impaired, challenged or oppressed groups of individuals may have their own unique relationship attraction dynamics. Although the continuum of self theory attempts to explain and simplify the complicated and multifaceted attraction dynamic, it does not pretend to be bigger and more inclusive than it was designed to be. It is a narrowly focused exp explanatory paradigm that measures measures an individual self-orientation while accounting for the attraction dynamic of opposite but compatible personality types. It is not intended to be a standalone or comprehensive theoretical explanation. 
it may be useful as an adjunct to other psychological theories. The author believes the continuum of self-theory is both a valid and reliable psychological construct. However, as a new psychological theory, it has not yet met the rigors of scientific scrutiny. It is my hope that the continuum of self-theory and the other concepts presented broaden our current understanding of human behavior, as well as stimulate further thought and discussion. Chapter 6. The Emotional Manipulation Disorders Defining the Disorder the terms emotional manipulator or emotional manipulation disorders are relatively new to the mental health field. Because it is not yet a commonly recognized mental health or clinical disorder, the term has not yet taken on a universally accepted definition. If taken at face value, an emotional manipulator is someone who manipulates the emotions of others. For the purpose of this book and my seminars, the term emotional manipulation disorders is used as a specific category of psychological disorder. An emotional manipulator, an emotional manipulator is someone who is diagnosed with narcissistic borderline or antisocial personality disorder. An emotional manipulator is also a person who is addicted to drugs, alcohol, or a behavior process whose addiction has driven them to behave narcissistically and harmfully in their relationships. Although the three personality disorders and an addiction disorder are demonstrably different from each other, all four share similar narcissistic personality traits. Narcissistic personality disorder, the first subtype, describes a person who has an inflated sense of superiority and importance while being preoccupied, preoccupied with thoughts and feelings of success and power. The second subtype, borderline personality disorder, loves others with great intensity and passion. However, if they perceive the possibility of judgment, disapproval, criticism, or abandonment, they will often strike back with the fury of hateful and vindictive aggression. The third antisocial, I think I'm probably kind of in that borderline personality disorder for real. The third antisocial personality disorder describes an individual who is deceitful, cunning, covertly manipulative, and purposefully exploitive. The last subtype, an addiction disorder, describes an, an addict who, because of his addiction, behaves in a dishonest, manipulative, selfish, and self-centered manner. Addicts are typically physically and psychologically dependent on a substance or mood-altering behavior pattern. Example, sex, gambling, spending. Almost anyone can create a term describing a psychological condition, a psychiatric disorder, or a behavioral affliction. These terms, when widely accepted, have inherent power to help or even save lives, or they can be misused to stereotype, generalize, harm, or even destroy the lives of others. This is so good here because, <clears throat> you know, and this is what I tell people about, like, depression and stuff like that. Like, you know, like, it is so important for you to become self-aware and to know, like, you know, what you struggle with, what you... What are your struggles? That way people can't use them against you because, you know, you go and get a diagnosis and they want to put you on some medication. But if you know, if you know yourself and know how to maintain, you know, so that you are not in that, that deep area or, you know, that, that area where you're harming people or, you know, using it to harm people. Because a lot of times they want you dependent on, on stuff, you know? 
They want to keep us codependent in the society. <clears throat> it is crucial that we honor and respect the impact and power that these descriptive labels or diagnoses carry. It is very important for clinicians, behavioral health researchers, and writers to research and validate new diagnostic terms such as the ones used in this book. Example, emotional manipulation disorder. Therefore, if the terms of di or diagnostic labels outlined in this book are to be used by either the general public or by mental health or medical practitioners, it is imperative that universally accepted definitions be created. For the purposes of this book, an operational definition for the term emotional manipulator has been created. Instead of being an arbitrary or subjective description, the definition is specific and accounts for its multi multiple dimensions. This new definition attempts to standardize the term while specifically describing both its qualitative and quantitative aspects. In other words, the newly created definition for emotional manipulator and emotional manipulation disorders utilizes descriptive language that illustrates and specifies inherent characteristics while also assigning a system of measurement to it. Example, the continuum of self-value, CSB. The emotional manipulation disorders cannot be understood without an understanding of how they manifest within a relationship. It follows the logic that if you were going to, <clears throat> to understand the problems of alcoholism, it would be necessary to understand the alcoholic's relationship with their partner, the co-alcoholic or codependent. As much as the definition of alcohol, alcoholism, or for that matter, chemical dependency requires a descriptive account of its psychological and physiological characteristics, the definition would be incomplete without information regarding its relational components. After all, it is common knowledge that the alcoholic's partner is inexorably connected to both the problem and the treatment. To that end, it is imperative to understand the emotional manipulator's relationships with others, principally the codependent partner. Emotional manipulators and codependents go hand in hand as they both are magnetically and inescapably, inescapably attracted to each other. Neither could demonstrate their psycho, they, their psycho, their psychopathological personality traits without the other. To understand what an, what an emotional manipulation disorder is, it is possible, it is impossible not to learn about the emotional manipulator codependent relationship. According to the continuum of self theory, emotional manipulators have a self orientation that is almost completely focused on their own needs and desires at the exclusion of the needs and desires of their significant others. Not only do they require a dis disproportionate amount of love, respect, and care from their partners, they are unable and unwilling to reciprocate. When they do demonstrate positive regard, affection, or generosity, strings are usually attached. When plotted on the continuum of self, they have the most severe CSV, a plus five. Individuals with severe positive CSVs are unable to unconditionally demonstrate love, respect, and care for others and are typically unaware of how their narcissism and selfishness hurts those who they claim to love. It should be noted that all of the emotional manipula manipulator disorders are distinctly narcissistic in nature. Personality disorders. A definition of a personality disorder and an addiction disorder will help the reader to better understand the emotional manipulation disorders. 
according to the DSM IBTR Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders version 4 text revision <clears throat> excuse me personality disorders are a class of personality types and enduring behavioral patterns associated with significant distress or disability which appear to deviate from social and cultural expectations particularly in relating to other people to qualify for this diagnosis the individual because of their personality disorder has to be impaired socially occupationally or in another or in other important areas of function at present there are 10 personality disorders listed in the dsm inherent in all personality disorders are deeply ingrained maladaptive patterns of behavior emotions and thinking which may be identified as early as adolescence and often persist for a lifetime it is a widely accepted practice as well as a dsm requirement that most personality disorders are not formally diagnosed until the age of 18. since these disorders are considered permanent in nature it is incumbent on diagnosis that diagnosticians, <clears throat> clinicians to respect the impact of including this diagnosis in someone's mental health or medical records. Thanks to our current insurance system, certain mental health diagnoses are used to exclude an individual from affordable insurance or even from being insured. Personality disordered individuals have difficulty controlling their impulses and moderating their pathological behavior. They also have Difficulties expressing socially appropriate emotions, relating to others and forming and maintaining reciprocal and mutually satisfying relationships. They are oblivious to their psychological deficits, eccentric conduct, and dysfunctional perpetual and thought patterns. Without an ability to accurately perceive, comprehend, and consequently adapt to the accepted forms of personal and social behaviors. They, they experience significant problems and limitations in their social encounters, and in most of their significant relationships. Example, work, family, and personal relationships. Not possessing insight into their psychological deficits and the resulting harm they cause others, they typically blame others or project their problems and inadequacies onto other people. Without an accurate and subjective understanding of their limitations in psychopathology, as well as their negative impact on others. They typically do not seek psychotherapeutic services. Personality disordered individuals simply do not think they have a problem, especially individuals with one of the emotional manipulator personality disorder will not admit to having a problem or causing harm or grief to another person. As to do, as to do so would run contrary to their narcissistic personality makeup, grand, grandiosity, entitlement, vanity. If they do admit to a problem or to an element of their personality that is problematic, it is usually because they were caught red-handed in a lie or they are trying to manipulate their way out of being held accountable for a hurtful act. Individuals who are addicted to a drug or particular behavior such as sex or gambling qualify for the emotional manipulator diagnosis only if, in addition, they demonstrate the significant pathological traits of any of the three emotional manipulator personality disorders. The difference, however, is that the addiction, not an underlying psychological disturbance, is responsible for their psycho psychopathological or dysfunctional behavior. In other words, the addiction itself compels them to behave similarly to any of the three emotional manipulation 
personality disorders. For example, they may be self-centered and egotistic like the narcissist, erratic, reactive, and harmful to those they love like the borderline or dishonest and manipulative like the antisocial personality disordered individual. An addiction disorder is a catch-all phrase for the persistent and compulsive dependence on a habit-forming substance or behavior. Despite negative consequences, individuals with addiction disorders are compelled to continue the use of a specific mood-altering substance or to continue a destructive and repetitive behavioral pattern. This is, a this is a progressive disorder that has its origins in the brain, or as Alcoholics Anonymous refers to it, a disease. Over time, addicts increase the frequency and amount of their drug or addictive behavior of choice in order to achieve the normal euphoric or high experience. With regular use, increased tolerance for the drug or euphoria causes the behavior. <clears throat> Wait a minute. With regular use, increased tolerance for the drug or euphoria causing the behavior is de developed. Tolerance is the process by which the addict requires increasingly larger amounts of the addictive substance behavior to achieve the original euphoric effects and eventually even to feel normal. Physical dependency eventually occurs as a result of the continued and progressively increased drug behavior usage. Physical dependency on the drug behavior compels addicts to maintain their usage patterns while progressively increasing the frequency and amounts of their drug of choice. If they should radically decrease or terminate their drug of, or addictive behavior pattern, the addict will likely experience a withdrawal syndrome symptoms. Withdrawal symptoms include, but not limited to, anxiety, irritability, 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 intense cravings for the substance, nausea, hallucinations, headaches, cold sweats, and tremors. Even after the withdrawal symptoms subside, the addict often experiences an irrational desire to return the, to their destructive and often life-threatening drug abuse or behaviors. For this reason, an addiction is often considered a lifelong affliction. <clears throat> Excuse me, chapter seven, the human magnet syndrome. When it comes to romantic relationships, we are all human magnets. The human magnet syndrome is another metaphorical explanation of the unconscious force that brings opposite but compatible companions together into an enduring and stable relationship. Although much simpler and less comprehensive than the continuum of self theory, it follows the same basic tenet that two prospective romantic partners are attracted to each other as a result of their opposite, but well-matched and compatible personality types. While the continuum of self focuses on a person's self-orientation or continuum of self-value, the human magnet syndrome conceptualizes the attraction dynamic through the use of metaphorical compass and magnets, which like the real things operate by the, by the properties of magnetism. As human magnets, we are pulled toward a particular romantic partner whose magnet whose magnetic polarity is opposite to ours. So again, if we're human magnets, that means everything is energy, right? Right. Despite our efforts to find a romantic partner who unconditionally loves, respects, and cares for us and who participates in a mutual and reciprocal relationship, we are inclined to follow a metaphorical love compass that will powerfully direct our relationship choices. Whether we realize it or not, we all use a metaphorical compass when we seek an ideal romantic partner. We are obliged 
to follow the direction in which we are led, regardless of our conscious intentions to take a different route. Because a lot of us, right, we want what we're used to. And this is why, and I know a lot of people will not agree with me when I say this, your soulmate is going to be in a person that you hate. <laughs> your soulmate is going to be in a person that you were raised to hate. And I truly believe this. I truly believe that we all here came here to experience this life, right? And if, if, if the great universe, if God wanted us to all be the same, then we would have all been the same. And I think that the reason why we hate people of other colors, other cultures, is because we don't know them, right? We we fear, we we hate what we don't know, right? We, uh, fear really is hate, right? And so, wouldn't it be funny? Not funny, right? Because we don't, th <laughs> a lot of us don't take life as an adventure or, you know, or look at it as being fun, you know, like, yeah, going through the pain that we went through, that was not fun. But if you learn from it, then you can have a better future, right? If you didn't allow it to tear you apart. And so like, wouldn't it be funny if God put your soulmate in somebody that you were told to hate, that you were born, bred and raised to hate because of the color of their skin or because of their culture or their background? Yeah. And so we're missing out on these healthy relationships because we are listening to the cultural condition of our society instead of really following our hearts and using the compass that's on the inside of us to really guide us to who the universe, you know, who we're a magnet, a magnetic match to. That's just my theory, but I'm sure people will disagree with it. And it's okay. Um, where am I at? <sighs> Even with our promises to ourselves to make rational, safe, and healthy choices, we are unable to resist the captivating pull toward the direction that our compass points. Star-crossed lovers, therefore, <clears throat> therefore, are inevitably brought together, not because of their conscious choices, but rather because their metaphorical compass has directed them into each other's loving embrace. The romantic relationship that is brought together by an inter, interminably strong magnetic force will survive the test of time, as it adheres to the human instinct to find, this, to find and stay with a partner who is uniquely compatible and familiar. According to the continuum of self theory, compatible romantic partners tend to stay true to their unique opposite relationship orientation. The same applies to the human magnet syndrome. We are attracted to and maintain relationships with individuals who, whose magnetic polarity is uniquely opposite and therefore compatible with our own. Positive and negative magnetic forces. As human magnets, we are all we all possess either a positive or negative or negative magnetic charge that naturally compels us to be attracted <clears throat> excuse me, to a person with an opposite magnetic charge. While the continuum of self-theory refers to matching inverse personality types as self-orientations, the human magnet syndrome refers to them as positive or negative magnetic roles. The term magnetic role <clears throat> was intentionally chosen for its metaphoric equivalent to the positive or negative magnetic pole or medical magnets. 
Codependency or the negative five CSV is metaphorically equivalent to a negative magnetic role or negative human magnet charge. The emotional manipulator disorder or the positive five CSV is metaphorically equivalent to a positive magnetic role or positive human magnet charge. As human magnets, we all have a specific metaphorical magnet charge that is attracted to another person's opposite, but matching magnetic charge. Simply to the continuum of self-theory, the human magnet syndrome is largely an unconscious process, notwithstanding romantic allure and relationship chemistry. It, also, it is also directed by palpable conscious processes. While we find ourselves unconsciously moving in the direction of a romantic partner's unique personal mag magnetism, we are also highly influenced by what we see, think, and perceive. Just like metal magnets, which form a magnetic bond when two opposite poles come into contact, human magnets are brought together by their opposite but matching magnetic roles, aka self-orientations. The person who is oriented toward the needs of others carries a negative charge. The person who is oriented toward their own needs will carry a positive charge. Just as in the continuum of self-theory, two uniquely opposite but compatible romantic partners will irresistibly be pulled toward each other not so much by their conscious decisions or intentions, but rather by the interaction of their opposite magnetic fields. Partners with complementary magnetic roles are irresistibly drawn together and locked into a relationship that is nearly impossible to resist or break free of. The powerful magnetic pull toward each other results in an irresistible and enduring romantic relationship, whether healthy or dysfunctional. The two, the two human magnets are amorously controlled by the nature of their own relationship magnetism. As the north pole of a metal magnet is always attracted to the south pole of another magnet, so will individuals with a positive magnetic role be attracted to individuals with a negative magnetic, magnetic role. The attraction properties are associated with a corresponding continuum of self-value. Magnetic roles like CSVs are inversely and proportionately attracted to each other. To illustrate a person with a severe self-orientation, a codependent, a codependent has a CSV of negative five, the strongest ma negative magnetic role charge. <clears throat> and a negative five CSV are analogously equivalent measurements of the same personality type. Conversely, a person with a severe self-orientation toward their needs only an emotional manipulator will have a CSV of a positive five, the strongest positive magnet role charge and the positive five CSV are equivalent. Simply stated, negatively charged magnetic roles or negative CSVs are always attracted to, posit to positively charged magnetic roles or positive CSVs. The relationship dance between a codependent and an emotional manipulator and the magnetic attraction of the codependent and the emotional manipulator our metaphorical explanations for the same process and then remember when i was saying on friday that you know like okay so like he said like you know like this is not this is not the end all be all right it's just another tool and so me you know thinking like i think because i really do believe that we are filled with a balance of both we're both negative and we're both positive right and so when you're in a relationship, sometimes those roles switch. If you start out as the negative two and he starts out as a positive two, some days those roles are going to switch. You're going to be a positive two. He's going to be a negative two. And that, I think, is like a healthy relationship, you know, because 
there are some days that you're going to be in, you know, me personally, I'm a divine feminine, right? So yes, I want a divine masculine, but there are going to be some days when he's going to be in his divine feminine and I'm going to need to be in my divine masculine. So at that point, he will be the negative two and I will be the positive two. You know what I'm saying? So like the role switch and this is why, this is why when you read stuff or when you learn stuff, like you have to have an open mind to all of it because there's nothing set in stone. We are all paradoxical. You know, like we're humans. We are a paradox. Everything in life is a paradox and you have to look at it that way. Like, yes, this is a tool. This this book helped me on my journey. This was a great tool on my journey. But as I learn and I grow, I realize that, you know, some days he's going to be a negative too and I'm going to be a positive too. And that's okay as long as y'all don't get stuck, you know, because the y'all started out with the perfect balance, right? And you want to keep that balance. But in order to meet each other's needs on a continual daily basis, the roles tend to sometimes switch, right? And you just want to make sure that it's a, it's a reciprocal and mutually giving and taking relationship. That's it. <clears throat> as much as individuals with negative magnetic roles are always attracted to individuals with positive magnetic roles, Similar magnetic roles will always repel each other. Individuals with similar magnetic roles will experience a formidable force of magnetic repulsion, making it nearly impossible to connect romantically. This parallels the continuum of self-theory's explanation of the repulsion of like self-orientation. Two emotional manipulators or two codependents will almost always create anti-romantic chemistry. They will find each other uninteresting and feel a distinct sense of repulsion this is why when we meet a person that might seem perfect on paper there might be no spark no romantic chemistry this is what we feel when we hug or kiss a prospective romantic interest who despite our hopes seems more like a friend than a lover to illustrate the power of the human magnet syndrome with healthy romantic partners my brother and sister-in-law, David and Erica, gave me permission to include their love at first sight story. David, a 21-year-old U.S. Army soldier, and Erica, a 24-year-old Chilean visiting the U.S. on a student visa, frequented the same community pool in, Ar in Arlington, Virginia. At the same time, neither David nor Erica spoke the other's language. When Erica and David first laid eyes on each other, they experienced an electric-like charge or magnetic attraction. David recalled thinking that Erica was the most beautiful woman he had ever seen. Erica was similarly instantly and completely drawn to David's good looks and charm. For both of them, it was love at first sight, a feeling that up until that time, neither had ever experienced. Neither could have guessed that this would happen with a person whose language and culture was completely different from their own. Remember what I just said? Remember what I just said? Like, sometimes your soulmate is in a completely different language culture and race <laughs> you gotta be open-minded like you know what i said a lot of us are unhappy and miserable in our lives because you know we we want <clears throat> we're so used to this type of person you know what i'm saying instead of just opening your mind to to your soul's compass you know it took several weeks before david and erica had the courage to start their first conversation which naturally would be a challenge because neither spoke the other's language. Their initial conversations took the form of three to four word questions and answers. 
Even with this problem, neither could resist the intense and uncontrollable impulse to get closer to each other. David recounted that in the beginning, he would miss a night's sleep just thinking about being with Erica. From the moment David laid eyes on Erica, he experienced a flood of intense emotional and physical sensation. Erica recalled a similar explosive emotional experience. David and Erica finally recalled their first night together when they just gazed into each other's eyes and rubbed noses together, feeling no need to speak a word to be more physically intimate. For both, time stood still as they were swept away into a place of emotional ecstasy. Up until that time, neither had experienced such intense and euphoric feelings of emotional attraction. Determined to communicate, they relied on the resource, the resources that were at their immediate disposal. David communicated to Erica through notes which she would take to her English teacher to translate. Erica would answer these notes and ask David questions through one of David's army friends who spoke both English and Spanish fluently. Although Erica and David struggled with not speaking each other's language as healthy human magnets, neither would let it get in the way of their intense and compelling feelings of attraction. In actuality, the language of love or the power of the human magnet syndrome superseded their struggles with their spoken language and stark cultural differences. Within three months of their first encounter, both David and Erica began to communicate in each other's language. The irresistible magnet force that brought them together will culminate in marriage five months after they met. 22 years later, this bond keeps them connected. Despite the ups and downs that are normal in all healthy relationships, language and culture were no match for the human magnet syndrome. Complementary attraction. As complementary <coughs> explanations, the human magnet syndrome and the continuum of self theory similarly account for the reflexive and seemingly automatic attraction experience between individuals with dissimilar but well-matched personalities. While the human magnet analogy is more basic and one-dimensional, both view the relationship attraction dynamics as being driven by opposite, but dually reciprocating forces. The human magnet analogy differs in that it attributes to the fascination and allure of another person as emanating from a powerful magnetic-like love force. This love for force pulls together two distinctly opposite individuals who for all practical purposes seems, seem incompatible but who really are well matched for the reflexive and seemingly automatic attraction experience oh women well matched for lovers well matched lovers this force brings together happy and healthy prospective romantic partners as well as those who are considered unhealthy or dysfunctional example codependents and emotional manipulators the magnet like and Enticement is formidable and virtually impossible to resist. It is unyielding as it defies conscious, conscious attempts to modify or control it, regardless of the promises made to oneself or others to not repeat past relationship mistakes. A seemingly automatic and predetermined magnetically guided pattern is followed. Despite warning flags or obvious signs of danger, it is nearly impossible to break the magnet lock of perfectly compatible magnetic roles be they healthy or dysfunctional. The human magnet syndrome is ultimately responsible for bringing together two outwardly different but highly compatible individuals into an enduring and dysfunctional, dysfunctionally resilient relationship. Its power over us is undeniable. The magnet-like force that brings two opposite but compatible romantic couples together also has the capacity to coerce them into staying in their relationship despite being unhappy, unsatisfied, or hurt. 
This attraction force is powerful enough to undermine our deeply held personal convictions, values, and morals, even overshadowing the customs and social traditions that have been indoctrinated by our family, culture, religion, or society. As much as we might try to withstand the alluring power of the human magnet syndrome, many of us fall prey to its ubiquitously seductive and controlling nature. When two human magnets meet, the following internet dating story exemplifies what happens when two outwardly attracted individuals meet and despite their common interests, find out that their magnets repel each other. So we'll stop there. Um, and I'll read the story tomorrow. I will have a different background tomorrow. But yeah, you know, I want to get out of the way, right? So there can be enough space for the healing. Y'all don't need to see me. Y'all know how I look. If y'all forgot how I look, then go back to my previous videos and see how I look. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? When I'm instructed to make a, a video that shows my face, then I will. But other than that, you know... Spirit is calling me. I mean, I'm 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 live on my Zoom in my Zoom classes, but you know, I change a lot, and I'm comfortable with change, with growth. You know, whereas I used to be uncomfortable, and whatever Spirit tells me to do, I listen because I've learned that when I don't listen, then you know, life is just chaotic for me, right? And so I'm just listening to spirit and spirit is like, you know what? <clears throat> I, I can dance in the background. You know, before I even started this thing, my whole thing was I never wanted to be out in the forefront. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm, I'm the type of person that likes <clears throat> my privacy. I like, um, I just like, nope, not a lot of people knowing me, you know? Um, but sometimes we have to get over that and because we've been called to assist people along on their journey and that's what I'm here to do. But, um, just because I'm here to assist people on their journey don't mean that I always have to be, you know, in a video or, you know, y'all have to constantly see me, you know, y'all know what I look like. Y'all know who I am by now. Um, and if you forgot, if you're new here. Go back and watch some old videos. <laughs> I mean, I've changed a little bit, but, you know, it's not about me. It's about you stepping into you, your power, your healing nature. I'm just here as a guide. That's it. And that's all I'm going to do. So, um, thank y'all for being here. I love y'all. I want y'all to go out, have the most amazing day, and I will see y'all tomorrow. Bye.